Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is. Good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The 2 1. Swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here comes Green. Here's the throw to the plate. He is. Nice. Nice run. Nice win. Nice win. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm Jason Powers. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. Before we get to our episode this week, I want to mention our sponsors. First off, if you want to reach out to us, reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. Let us know how what you think, how we're doing, got any suggestions for us, topics you'd like to see us cover. And now to our sponsors, Titan Home Lending. If you are anywhere in the state of Florida and you need to get financed for a home purchase, for a refinance, for a renovation, reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, area code 205-790-1404. We work with veterans, first responders. We have access to conventional loans, FHA loans, VA loans, jumbo loans, and everything in between. So reach out to us at Titan Home Lending, 205 205- Seven nine zero one four zero four, and let me put you in that home of your dream. Ultimate health plans. If you have a relative or if you are of the age to take advantage of Medicare benefits, reach out to Patrick Highland at area code 813-966-1052 for all of your Medicare needs. All right. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. Appreciate you finding us on your Podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, on all your different platforms that you might be checking us out on. If you got any comments, suggestions, reach out to me on Twitter at Sports. Love to hear from you. we got a cool, interactive uh, podcast we're going to do tonight, this week, uh, this, this kind of dead week of the Super Bowl. We're going to do kind of a fans roundtable. We're going to bring in three guys, three, three good friends of mine from all over the country with all different allegiances to what teams they like. We're just going to, we're going to cut it up for about 30 or 40 minutes. We're going to talk Brady, the Packers, Matt LaFleur. What was he thinking? Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes. We're going to talk coaching hires up in the motor city with your boy, Dan Campbell. We're going to talk, you know, college stuff, all kind of good stuff. We're going to talk a little, uh, you know, we're going to talk Eric B Why isn't he getting a job? That kind of stuff. So before we get started, I want to give a shout out to, uh, Hank Aaron, the family, and obviously he passed away over the weekend. And Larry King, both big sports fans. And I'll give the I'll give the the, the obligatory Topeka, Kansas. Hello, you're on the air <laughs> <laughs> for my man Larry King. So let's bring in the, the panel of, of guests here. Let's start with Charles Judkins, my buddy from up lives in Atlanta, from the streets of Bad Street, Atlanta, GA, from back in the Georgia <laughs> Championship Wrestling days. <laughs> He's from Bad Street. <laughs> My buddy Charles, he's a, he's a graduate of the U. He's a big Miami guy. He's a huge Chicago Bears fan. He's a major, uh, very good DJ up in the Atlanta area, music entertainer. So we're going to let Charles, uh, we'll, we'll let Charles give a good plug at the end of the podcast about where you can find Charles if you need his services in, in and around the Atlanta area. 
Michael Banks, Birmingham, Alabama. Hello. Michael's a – you've heard Michael on the podcast before. He's our Alabama guy. We talked to him a lot of college football. He's a huge Detroit Lions fan, so we're going to get his perspective on Dan Campbell coming to town, Aaron Rodgers and company, and some Super Bowl stuff. And last but not least, Drew Felios you know, from the streets of Clearwater Beach, Florida, from the condominium, from the townhouse on the water, as he's blowing kisses to the to the to the ladies of Clearwater Beach, <laughs> doing some That's nature funny. boy Rick Flair, Face Mountain. Drew's the uh, broadcaster, my broadcasting buddy. We've done some events together. He's an ESPN broadcaster, does all kind of stuff. He's a realtor now. He's turning into uh, the real estate mogul of Clearwater Beach. <laughs> so uh, welcome to the podcast, fellas. Oh. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Great nice to be to here. All right, let's get right to it. Green Bay, Wisconsin yesterday. Bucks, Packers, 28-10 Bucks. They jump out early. They, they take control of the game early. All of a sudden, second half, here comes Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They come back 28-23. Let's get to let's talk a little couple coaching things first. Let's talk about going for two points. When should you go for two points, fellas? Do you go when in you the first it. quarter? Do you go <laughs> when do you start going? You you just go ahead, chime in. When you need it. Okay. Yeah. When, when, do you need it at 28-23, late third quarter? No. 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 Not at all. (laughs) All right. What about what the analytics say? You go for two, 28-23, the analytics. (laughs) Who cares? Okay. Still too early. Still too early. Coach like you know football, not that you're reading a book. I agree. But, okay, what do you say to the guy that that says, well, Aaron Rodgers threw it right in the guy's hands and it hit him right between the numbers and he dropped it? <laughs> yeah, but that, that doesn't change the fact that you should have gone for it in the first place. Exactly. All right. All right. Drew, what do you think? Are you an analytics guy or are you a kind of a coach by feel guy? Definitely a coach by feel guy. And I will say that some of those moves that were made yesterday, I, mean, I hate to say it, you got to coach at the highest level, the NFL. But still, I think when you're a young, young coach, you just have, you know, you, you maybe haven't seen enough football. I hate to say it. I mean, because it's scenarios, it's feel. We saw it in the World Series. I'm going to change the subject with the Tampa Bay Rays yanking their starting pitcher and going by the analyst, you know, and, and disregarding the feel of that game. And I think we saw it again yesterday. Again, young head coaches, young managers making decisions that that just were like, what in the heck? are you doing? And I think that was the case yesterday, Jay. And it, you know, it, to me, to me, the big, one of the huge turning points of the game was end of the first half when the Packers threw the interception. And then obviously you, you allow the defensive coordinator to make whatever call that was that defensive call. What is he doing? Leaving a guy want man to man with five seconds left in the half and the bucks have no timeouts. And part, back to your point of one of the things LaFleur maybe gets, gets kind of hit on here. He's called, he's the play caller too. So you got so many things going on in your head. It's hard to be the manager of the game as opposed to be thinking about the play calls and all this other stuff. I think that's something that really hurt him yesterday in his inexperience. I think, uh, you know, I'll just add one, one more thing, Jay. 
to me when he decided to kick that field goal, okay, you're telling, you're giving the goat, the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, the ball back. And all he's got to do is get one first down. I knew the game was over and I'm a Bucks fan, but still I knew all Brady's got to do is look those guys in the eye and say, guys, we need one first down. You gave the ball back to the goat and said, you're not going to get a first, the worst decision I've ever made. And you took the ball out of the hands of your goat, your quarterback, who should thrive in making a play in that situation. Just we're a gonna, horrible call. We're going to get to that here in just a second. Your thoughts on the – I know you Bears fans and you you Detroit guys have no sympathy for the Packers. You're, you're, you, you are as happy as can be that they took a scud last yesterday. <laughs> Extremely happy. Yes. Extremely happy. But, no, it's, it, it's situational football. I think it was way too early. You go ahead – you 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 uh, kick the extra point, all right? You can't play. Oh well, if he didn't catch it, if he did catch it, dude, take the points, and then go from there because you've been playing well enough. Uh, you're going to get the ball back. Like I say, I I can understand maybe if this was you know midway through the fourth quarter, but dude, right. it's third quarter, right? It's the third quarter, way and, too early. And, and I'll go back to ba- real quick, Mike. I'll go back to your basketball adage, Chuck. I know you as an assistant coach, the head coach doesn't have. You know, they're thinking about 25 different things where an assistant coach is the one that should come to them and say, hey, coach, let's kick it here. Hey, let's don't go for two here. It's too soon. Or, hey, coach, let's don't forget about running a play for our point guard or for our, you know, the kind of good stuff. Those kind of little tidbits that assistants really add value to the head coach who's trying to do so many different things. I don't know how many times I had to tell my coach, like, hey, look, we're about to have a media timeout. Save your timeout. We're going to get a free timeout here. Right. Don't waste timeouts. So that was my job. I kept the timeouts. I made sure I told her, hey, look, this is how many we got left. Hey, we got the, 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 the whatever, the eight-minute media coming up. Just go ahead. Boom. Let that go. Let that one ride. Or let's get, a player out of the, let's get a player out of the game and get her an extra couple minutes of rest with the media timeout exactly. coming up and that kind of stuff. And exactly. an, NFL, an NFL staff has – so many coaches exactly i mean there's a coach for everything there there should be no reason that somebody's not saying that but just to expand on chuck's point you going for two there and missing it even though i know he dropped it it was right in his hands it's a momentum killer right you're you got the momentum you 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 picked brady off you're going things are going well and then you and then you have a bad play yeah it's only a two-point loss but especially when it happens like that, where a guy drops a ball, it's a big momentum killer and it kind of deflates the team and the defense doesn't have that same oomph when they come out on the field that they might have before. Now I know, I think right after, I think he threw another pick. I can't remember what, what the sequence was, but still, I think that's another thing that's overlooked. And it, and you know, McDermott did it too last night. I'm going to talk about that real quick. I would hit on that real quick. McDermott's down 17 points. They're not going to win the game, but you're down 17 points with like five minutes left in the Buffalo-Kansas City game. Kick the extra point to get to 16 so you're still in the game. They don't kick – they go for two down 17. Don't make it. So now you're still down 17, which means you got to score three times. The game's over. They turn around and recover the onside kick and could have theoretically gone down and scored, made a two-point conversion, have been down eight. But I don't know – have no clue what he was thinking yesterday – Going for two down 17. I just don't get it. It, It's a plague. It's a plague. I don't, we see it all the time. We're texting about it all the time. Why they continue, these coaches just continue to go for two when they, 
just because some analytics chart percentages, yeah. all this other stuff, like Drew said, coach for the field, have the game experience. This is what we've done before. We've been here before. Hey, but, but I don't care what an analytics says. Like you said, Jay, you're either down three possessions or two possessions. All you got to do is kick an extra point to stay right. two possessions. That is exactly. huge. A possess- Points don't matter. It's all about how many times do I need to score or stop them and stop or, them and stop right. them. If I have to do that, if I have to stop them two extra t- or another an extra time, it, there's not enough time. You're talking about Mahomes. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that ain't happening. All right, let's get yeah. to the moment of truth. To, uh, third down, third and goal from the eight for Rodgers. He does. Apparently, there's not any communication that there's not been any communication. Hey, Aaron, we're going four downs here, or Aaron, we're kicking a field goal if we don't score. Your thoughts, to me, Rodgers could have run. I don't know if he would have scored, but he definitely would have got inside the five-yard line, which makes the automatic go for, go for it on fourth down. All right, let's go to fourth down. They throw it incomplete on third down. If I'm Aaron Rodgers and I see the field goal team coming on the field, what have we seen Peyton Manning do in the past, Lamar Jackson do? Waves them off, get off the field. We're not kicking a field goal here. I was shocked that he didn't do that, and he just jogged off the field. Drew? Well, I think you're. that's asking a lot of him because I don't know if that's totally in his personality. But I will say that I don't know about you guys. You guys have coached on sidelines before. You know, just something about Aaron Rodgers, the body language, the, the look in his eye it's not what I wanted to see yesterday. I wanted to see a guy that was a little bit more fiery, a guy that was a little bit more in command. Like this is my moment. I'm going to own it. So Jay, maybe not wave everybody off, but definitely take charge of that moment and, and leave it all out on the field and do whatever you can to come away with that win. You're at home. You're, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And that's the thing about Aaron. And then in the press conference, I think it was lame afterwards. Yeah. Talking about the future and leaving it murky. That's just sour grapes. Tell us what you really feel. I was definitely disappointed just the way Aaron Rodgers handled everything yesterday. Chuck? Here's my thing. Fourth down, you have to go for it because even if you don't get it, you you got to score anyway. And they're on the eight-yard line, and you got them on the eight. So even okay, you kick the field goal. Guess what? You still got to come down and score another. T- you got to score a touchdown. It's not like oh, you get a field goal to either tie it or either right. way. Yeah. And don't even onside kick. They don't, don't even onside, onside kick, kick either. Blow it blows my mind how they overthink stuff. And I, it, yeah. And if, I, and I mean, you could I could live with that decision if the other quarterbacks, John Kitna. Mitch Trubisky, a guy like that on the other side with the offense. No, no, but here, okay, so his thinking is, okay, I kicked the field goal. They're going to go down there and stop them and then get the ball back. But guess what? Let's say you you go for it on fourth. You don't get it. At least they're pinned, and now yes. you're playing the field position game. Exactly. Exactly. They're you not got your four. You got your four timeouts, basically. But they're I not. I don't get it. They're not going to be taking as many chances – throwing the ball from the eight as much as they are from from the 22 from the 22 exactly. yeah exactly. they've got they're going to be much more conservative on the eight just to run that clock out 
than worrying about let's drop back and throw and have something happen. No, Safety, I'm, they get the ball. No, back. you got to give Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich credit. First yeah. down, they come out and throw an eight-yard out route to Evans. Now the exactly. game is really in, in doubt for Green Bay because it's second and two. They jump mm-hmm. off sides on purpose to give the, yeah. the Bucks a first down to save a timeout. <laughs> so give the Bucks credit. They didn't just run it up the gut three times. Yeah. They're trying but to they, win the game. But they might have if they were at the eight-yard line rather than You're right. getting the ball back at the 20. That's too. a distinct possibility. That's yeah. a distinct that, possibility. Play, play call changes. Like Chuck said, pin them deep. Make them – make put the pressure on them. Even if you don't get it, you still have to score a touchdown. If, it, if kicking the field goal brings you within three, different story. Huh. Now, that, four. that right there, too, I guarantee you guys, the coaching staff, I guarantee you they didn't even think about that field position factor. They just thought, okay, we need points here. We got to have points and we can get it back. I bet you, and like Jason said, that's where the overload, you don't analyze the full situation. You right. just look at the scoreboard, right. and that is a huge key field position where they would have gotten that ball had they not gotten the touchdown you guys That's are absolutely right. right it's crazy it's, it's it's a very valid point and again when a coach is the play caller that that's when the game management stuff slips through the cracks and if you don't have a strong assistant staff with you that's where that stuff really comes to play and comes to bite you in the in the rear end and uh i mean i am i mean if there would have been seventy thousand people in lambeau I don't know if that coach gets off the field yesterday, run yeah. into that locker room. I mean, seriously, I mean, it's, it's and even if you think that, and, and it will be, even if he was the Aaron Rodgers effect of this is this offseason. Yeah. I don't think he's going to get traded, but no. he, he has definitely lost the, some trust and some confidence in that coaching staff in that front office for sure. So, yeah, it's, it's funny guys. Jay, you mentioned that. And back to, I, I know I mentioned the Rays and pulling. Blake Snell in game six. Who got traded? (laughs) Think about it, Michael and Charles. Think about it. If those games were in, like if that game was at Tampa Bay Stadium at the Trop with a full house, and if Green Bay was a full house yesterday, and those moves were made, that's a great point by Jason. I don't think those fans let him get out of there. And maybe not having, you know, those full stadiums, not that it triggered it, but but man, he is right. Like if those stadiums were packed and those moves go bad and Tampa's playing in their house, that's not a good situation. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to, by the way, Aaron Rodgers now one in four in championship games has lost four straight championship games. Obviously this was the first home game he's had, but one in four in championship game moments back to Drew's point of, does he really have the, the killer instinct as an assassin like Brady, like Mahomes, like Montana had, is, or is he just a stat compiler, a really, really good quarterback? When the when everything's perfect, he's great. But when there's some adversity, does not play his best. And, hey, look, I just want to say in that one win that he did have, he had to beat two backups. Right. Because he beat Jay two guys in Chicago. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. a backup quarterback? Yep. Two of them came in. Todd Collins and uh, Caleb Haney. Yep. He had to beat. Yep. You're right. Yeah. And- and I'll just say, Jay, I hope we're not changing the subject first. I mean, we got to talk about the Bucks. Yeah, I'm going to get to Brady oh, yeah. now. Okay. okay. I mean, let's get to Brady. Everybody likes to hate Brady. They all have their – we all have an – people have an opinion on Brady. Some people can't stand him. But you got to give the guy credit. The guy is un, the, maybe the best competitor in sports history as far as 
figuring out a way to get it done, and, and more importantly, elevating everybody else around him to, to the standard. To me, that's his greatest attribute is he elevates everybody else's performance to a level that's that you got to have to be a championship team. Michael? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this back in September <laughs> after the move was made. I mean, you, he, he inherited a loaded roster, which is something he's never really had in New England. He never had the roster he has right now in New England. He had a bunch of cast-offs in New England. And what he's done with those guys – who have been together for a few years, most of those guys. I'm not obviously not talking about the defense. Yep. We talk about Evans has been there a while. Godwin's in his third year. Uh, Offensive line know, guys have been there a couple years. Ronald Jones has been there for a while. He has he has brought that what everybody looks for, change the culture in the locker room, change the culture in the building, and he's able to bring that in. But the, that comes from a respect that those guys have. They want – they when they got knew they got him, their whole attitude and whole outlook of like, hey, we're a winner now, just because he's on our team. They hadn't even played a game yet. They already thought we can get to the Super Bowl now. It's just it is incredible. It really is incredible to watch him go. I, I don't have any I don't have the hate for him. I, I love watching him play. I hope he as long as he continues playing like this, I love watching him play. I think it's I think it's great for the game to, to watch a guy that that age continue to do that. I mean, I'm 41. I, I had trouble going up and down the stairs. I mean, <laughs> as, as in his 10th Super Bowl, 42 years older than me. It's crazy. Well, T, well just yeah. so you know, TB has a wellness center right down the street that we can get you a, uh, we yeah. can get you an appointment for at the wellness. <laughs> yeah, give me, a, wellness give me an appointment, please. Exactly. Chuck, your thoughts on Brady. You've been around this no. whole era for Brady. I mean, he's beaten your guys a couple times. I mean, it's some in some big moments, but just the, the greatness of that guy to be able to do it at 43 years old. He is definitely the, the goat in, in, in my eyes uh, to be able to do it on two different teams, to be able to do it. I mean, I, I think about all of the, the injuries that this, uh, this Bucks team had to, you know, to yeah. go through. Uh, Thinking about, you know, how they started off, you know, the beginning of the, you know, beginning of the season, you know, they look, they look bad. I was like, all right, then they rattled off some wins and then they came in, they played us and it was kind of a, you know, a slugfest. And I, I still don't know how we won that game, but, you know, and then they just rattled, you know, rattled off some, some wins. And I'm like, well, you know, if this team could get healthy and get all their weapons, which I know like Mike Evans is still, Yep. you know gimpy but i mean could you imagine if they actually if he was actually healthy if ab was actually healthy and actually if they had him throughout the you know the whole you know whole year if 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 gronk hadn't taken the year off and was you know still i'm gonna give you an, i'm gonna give you an analogy that you'll be able to appreciate chuck yeah michael jordan did the same thing with guys like paxton wennington all the role players he oh, was yeah. the guy that elevated them to be great bulls when they need yeah. him. Because all those championships, Michael wasn't doing it by himself and couldn't. He needed right. the, the role players, the Paxons, right. the the you know the Bill Bill Cartwrights, the Winningtons to do their job. And that's what Jordan and and, and Brady have that just no other guys have. That I know, like exactly. I said I know you've experienced all that and and enjoyed that. To me, that's that's a great comparison with those two. Right. And, and, and like we all knew that the offense was going to be there. It was the, the defense that right. was going to be kind of that, that, that missing leak, that big question. And, and to watch them do what they've done in the playoffs has yeah. been, you know, totally amazing for them to what win three road games to get right. there. You know, it's I, I, 
I give them all the respect in the world. Drew, I know you, you know, doing games all around the country all these years, you've seen coaches and other players around the country that had just take on this role of, I'm not going to let our team lose. And Brady's just one of those guys. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, his play on the field's been obviously very good, but I mean, guys, let's be honest. Second half yesterday, he, he struggled a little bit too. Um, you know, he, he, there's been moments where he hasn't played his best football, but I think his leadership overall has probably been more important than his actual play on the field. Just the way he's been able, like Jay said, elevate guys to give the team a conscience to do the right thing all the times. I mean, I've known players off the field in this organization uh, for the past 15 years and uh, the culture was not good in so many of those moments. When you think about guys like, you know, the Josh Freeman days with Raheem Morris and, and uh, you know, just all the, you know, the, the, the rough seasons that Tampa Bay had it's night and day now, night and day. And Tom Brady, it's amazing. One guy on a football team, a roster of how many guys 57 in the NFL, Jay, yep, you yep. know that number. Yep. One guy can change the culture that quickly and i'll and i mike i'm gonna come to you i'll i'll, I'll emphasize it with this to me the play one of the th best throws of the plays of the game 28 23 bucks the bucks are at about the 40 yard line of of uh green bay games very much in doubt third and 10 he throws a bullet over the middle to tyler johnson a rookie receiver fifth round draft pick and tyler makes a diving catch for a first down, which allows them to kick the field goal to go up 31-23, and it, for Brady to have the confidence in him, Scotty Miller, Cam Brate, all the, the bit players, the role players, he's not afraid. He doesn't force the ball into Evans or Godwin or Gronk. He throws to the open guy, and that's what, again, to me, that's what makes Brady great is his ability to trust those guys and those guys that trust him. Mike? Yeah, well, and that, that play before half. I mean, Scott to Scotty Miller. <laughs> I mean, nobody, like you said, how in the world does a defensive coordinator with eight seconds left play man-to-man -man press coverage is beyond me. But still, to have the faith to go to Scotty Miller and not try to force something to Evans, who's a deep play threat, yeah. to Godwin over the middle, maybe get down quickly, or to anybody else, to Scotty Miller on a go route. And, and there's not a lot of quarterbacks that would trust that number three or number four guy on the on the tree right and you can see him you can see him making the reads he's like well my gosh if they're going to give this to this guy i'm going to throw it yeah i mean yeah it, it's he's uh he's something else i mean he's done it he did it for years in new england he made Wes welker he made julian Edelman. those guys all the through uh Dion branch all the way back to those days he made those guys what they were and he you know He's come down to Tampa. He's done, done the same thing. <laughs> it's last, it's last thing on this game before we get to some Super Bowl uh, breakdown, Brady Mahomes. Officiating. There was a lot of talk today about the officiating in both games. To me, that last holding call, when the guy's shirt gets ripped off two feet away from his body, you have to call that. I don't care what you've not called earlier in the game, but you have to make that call when the guy's shirt gets ripped two feet away from his body on, a, on that kind of play and the, and the ball's thrown to that guy. Your thoughts, Chuck. We've all had – Chuck's been an official for many years. Mike, you Drew, you've been around it. I've officiated. 
you know, everybody says, well, they didn't call that earlier in the game. Why can you call it? When the shirt gets ripped two feet away from the guy's body, as opposed to a little bit of grabbing here, that's a difference to me as an official. Hey, me, well, I, you have to make that call. Even though I'm a Bucks fan, sure. Did they, could they have called a couple other things earlier in the game? Sure. But you have to call that that one late in the game, in my opinion. Hey, you, you always got to call the obvious. And, and that what you, you used yep. to say in all of our meetings, if everybody in the stadium can, <laughs> can see, see it, it. <laughs> yeah. you got to call it. You got to call it. I mean, when know? the so. guy's shirt goes two feet away from the body, you have <laughs> yeah. to call that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When, when you exactly. when you know what brand he's wearing, uh, <laughs> undershirt, <laughs> yep, under the jersey. It, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that I agree with Jason. I think that yes, the the one before half on the interception from Green Bay should have been called probably. Yep. But was it as obvious? No. Was all were all those other ones as obvious as that? No, they weren't. That one was the most obvious of all of them. Like you said, the shirt, if he doesn't get that undershirt and yank on it and it, you can see it, you know, two feet away from his body, they don't call it. It's not as big of a deal. Exactly. You're right. And, 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 you know, everybody says, well, it's a consistent. Sometimes the referee doesn't see it. Sometimes it does. They don't see it. So, you know, everybody says, well, why didn't he call it? Well, sometimes they have a bad angle. They just don't see it. Whereas that one it's clear as day. So, all right, we got to get moving to the Super Bowl. We only got about 10 minutes left. Let's get to some Super Bowl breakdowns. Your early thoughts, Drew. Mahomes, Brady, Tampa, Florida. Super Bowl 55, brother. I, I really think it's going to take a perfect game uh, because uh, I, uh, man, I, I just think that uh, Patrick Mahomes right now is too good. His, his arsenal is too good. But I do believe that the Bucs can keep the football away from this Kansas City offense. And I believe that the Bucs are going to rush the passer better than any team that Kansas City has seen so far. And the Bucs team that Kansas City beat midseason, this is a different Bucs team right now. So I think you factor all that in there, and I think Tampa Bay's got a chance in this football game. Remember, Eric Fisher left tackle blew his Achilles out for Kansas City yesterday. Right The right tackle is already out for Kansas City. Shaq, JPP, Shaq Barrett – dominated the Green Bay offensive line yesterday. They were devastating around the corner. That's the one thing that we've never seen Mahomes have to really deal with is a devastating pass rush. Like Brady, when Brady lost to the Giants, they got after him like nobody's business with that front four. And to me, that's to me, that's the matchup of the game. Because I'm with you, Drew. I think the Bucks are gonna be able to move the ball and run the ball on Kansas City and play some keep away. Chuck? Uh, it would be interesting to see because I, I know the you know the the, the weather will be interesting. I, I don't know what the weather is supposed to be. I know in Florida it's always it's going to be seventy degrees. I mean seriously, yeah, it's going right. to unless it rains, it's going to be 65, 70 degrees. Right, but you know that a hey, that 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 little sprinkle or whatever right. could be the difference uh, right. as far as having a, a fast track or not. Um, I think if Tampa has the the concept of look we can't settle for field goals. We have to just press, press, press. We have to score touchdowns. We have to get out early. You know, I liked what Buffalo did yesterday. They got out early, but then it's kind of like they fell into that trap and then they just let them back into the game. But you have to be able to at least stop them a couple of times and then take advantage of any type of mistakes and, 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 and win. And then a lot of people don't even talk about this phase, but win that special team phase, win, win that um 
I think it's going to be a high scoring game. You know, right now I, I'm, I'm leaning more towards Kansas City, yeah. but you know, who, who, who knows? Who knows? Mike, real quick. <clears throat> Eric Fisher, huge. I think that is, you're exactly right. That's an enormous loss for Kansas City. Last year he played against the Bo- against uh, Nick Bosa, that 49ers pass rush, who gave Mahomes fits for a little oh, bit. Yeah. But they had a bunch better offensive line. The doctor was still playing. Yeah. Uh, um, Fisher's there. Those guys out now, that's a totally different thing. And the other thing I would I will say, though, on for Kansas City, though, don't underestimate their defense. Their defense really held Josh Allen down. That Bills team had been rolling Mm -hmm. for the most part, and those weren't bad conditions to play in last night. And They really did a number against Josh Allen. They have a good pass rush as well. Uh, They got to Josh Allen several times, who is much more fleet of foot than Tom is. So I think it's going to be (laughs) – I think that's an under – I think that's an underlooked thing right now. I think everybody looks at the Chiefs defense and thinks of what it was two years ago when it was – so porous, but they've gotten so much better. Spagnola's done a, a wonderful job there. And remember, Spagnola was the defensive coordinator for the Giants exactly. when they played the Patriots right. with Brady. So he has a very good knowledge of what he Brady likes and doesn't like. Though yeah. it's a different offensive system, I get it. And the Bucks, Drew, the Bucks offensive line has really stepped up the last six weeks. Played great pass protection, especially. They certainly have. And uh, they're going to need that. The running game, too. I think Fournette and Jones are going to have to play well. And I also think that, uh, you know, the Buck defense will be interesting to see, Jay. Will they try and come out and play man-to-man on Kansas City? I don't think they can. they got to play. I'd like to see some old Tampa, too. you got to keep these guys in front of you. Do not try and guard those wide receivers on the outside because it's not going to turn out well. And Kelsey. Kelsey might be the, the the key to the whole game. That guy is un, uncoverable. I, I am. It's unbelievable how that how good that guy has become. He I've never seen him not get open. Chuck, you know, playing flag football. This guy is unbelievable roaming the middle of the field, finds the seams, finds the cracks. Like he is Gronk, like five Like every time, like you thought Gronk was wide, I'm like Kelsey's always open. Always. <laughs> and they and they run a lot of flag football plays. A lot oh, yeah. of these motions and flips and screens and shovel passes. They run like, I mean, it's it's like they're playing against air. It's like seven on seven with some of these routes these guys run. And the, yeah. and the formations and the schemes that they come up with. Give full credit to Reed and Biennemi for doing that. And it's so hard to cover. Because like you said, Drew, the matchup is, does Todd Bowles go man? Does he go zone? What, what do you do? Mike? <laughs> Well, you don't want to do what you did back in Tampa uh, back in November. No, I will say this. After the first quarter, the Bucs played pretty good. After the first quarter of that game, the Bucs played pretty well against Kansas City that last three, two and a half quarters. But don't let Ricky get two two bills in the first quarter again. Yeah, exactly. You can't be doing that. All right, Mike, give me your prediction. You know, I hate to I hate to be a downer on the two of you. It's okay, I, man. That's why we're here, I gotta, brother. I go I gotta go Kansas City right now. Like Chuck, I'm leaning a little Kansas City. That could change over, but not much. I I think that if it's three and a half, I'm taking that three and a half on Tampa for sure. All right, Drew. Yeah. Uh, I can't pick against my home team. You know, I think I think adrenaline, purpose. I think with everything the franchise has been through. And winning one more for Tom and these young guys, the way they've battled. And I, I think Winfield hopefully coming back. He'll be back. Antonio Brown hopefully 
No Hopefully back in the fold. If play. Tampa Bay is at full strength, yeah, I think the Bucks are going to have enough, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be one of those classic Super Bowls for sure. John? Right now, and I don't know why the score is in my head. Right now, I got 42-38 Kansas City, but it you. could – I said it could flip flop. I, you know, I, I do like Brady. I like, you know, AB getting it, getting in his first, you know, Super Bowl. Um, it, like I said, it, things could change, but right now I got, I got Kansas city right now, 42, 38. I'm going to say like the nature boy, Rick Flesh said, brother, Brady's going to walk that out one more time. He took care of Breeze. He took care of Rogers. And now he's going to take care of Patrick Mahomes, brother. He, he took care of Taylor Heineke, too. He's going to be the seven-time world's heavyweight wrestling champion, brother. You know what they okay. say? You know what they say, guys? Oldest ride, longest line. Space Mountain. <laughs> Tampa Bay 30, 37, Kansas City 28. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Before we get you out of here, I'm gonna let Chuck give, give the audience if we got any listeners in the Atlanta area. Chuck does a lot of music in the Atlanta area, weddings, events. Give the give the audience a way they can get a hold of you if they ever need some of your music services and all that kind of stuff. Well, you can go to my website, which is uh, djchuckj.com. Uh, or you can email me at uh, djchuckj uh, at uh, gmail.com if you want to book. Uh, I'm Give at that phone number. Give out that phone number. Oh, still got my Chicago area code, 773-206-0310. You can come see me at $3 Cafe. And the other place that I'm at, I cannot mention just because it's a little <laughs> private club. So. <laughs> I got you. No, Chuck does a great job with, with the music, man. DJs, weddings, events, anything you need, corporate stuff. He's your guy. Trust me. If 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 and when I ever get married and Chuck's in the in the in the, in the oh, yeah. somewhere close, Chuck will be coming down to do the DJ work. Drew, and actually, little, yeah, go ahead, Chuck. No, no, I was just gonna say, and actually, we do the pre and post game shows for the Braves, so you can come see me once baseball season starts. Nice, Chuck, Drew. Give us a little little outlet. Drew's been does a bunch of freelance work. If you're in the, in, the, in, the, in the market for a house in the Florida area, quick. That's right. Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater area. Best place to retire in the entire country. Give me a call. Would love to help you out. Century 21, coast to coast. And also doing a lot of games here in the coming months, beginning with ESPNU on, on Saturday. All right, Mike, I, I can't give you a plug, man. Other than if you need a bank account, go to Regions Bank. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, we got to get out of here. I'm running out of time here, but thanks for the time, man. Awesome job. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Stay tuned for the next part of the Powers on Sports podcast. Okay, so during our last segment, we're going to talk about some coaching hires that have happened throughout the league as well as the one vacancy that still remains in Houston. Let's get to Philadelphia first. They have hired Nick Siriano, the OC for the Indianapolis Colts. He comes from the, he worked under Frank Reich, who has some connections in Philadelphia. So I think that really helped Siriano's cause with the Eagles and Jeffrey Lurie. Interesting hire. Siriano replaces Doug Peterson. Obviously, the number one job in Philadelphia this offseason is going to be what to do with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. Is Carson Wentz salvageable? in Philadelphia, or do you have to make a move and get him out of there and leave the door open for Jalen Hurts to take over full-time? 
So again, I think they made that move to try to salvage Carson Wentz. I think he'll be there one more year unless they just get a bombshell offer to move him elsewhere. Um, Hertz did not look like he was completely ready to, for prime time in that playoff game. Uh, or not, excuse me, in the last couple games of the regular season. So we'll be interesting to see what happens in Philadelphia with Nick Siriano. Out in L.A. with the Chargers, you have the hiring of Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator from the Rams, just moves across across town or basically across the hall at the stadium since they they both the Rams and the Chargers both share the same stadium. So a big move there for Staley. He's been a defensive coordinator only one year with the Rams, did a great job with the defense there. Uh, and he has taken over the Charger situation for Anthony Lynn, who was let go. Um, obviously, you have the, the cornerstone quarterback in Justin Herbert in the fold in, with the Chargers. So a good spot to come in. We'll be very keen to see who Staley hires as his offensive coordinator in which direction they, they go there. So a good hire there. Um, Detroit, Dan Campbell. The longtime player. He's been a longtime assistant coach. He comes over from New Orleans. Dan Campbell, remember, was the interim coach in Miami for about a 12-game stint several years ago. Um, very rough and tough kind of guy. He seems to come from the kind of a Bill Parcells kind of mold of, of rough and tough and straight shooter and all that stuff. That he during his press conference, he was very adamant about how they're going to play a physical brand of football. How they're the Detroit. Uh, Area is a is a blue collar town. He wants to be a blue collar team. Um, interesting thing here is they've are they, he signed to a six year contract, which kind of indicates to you that they're probably going to go through a rebuild. They've all indications are that Matthew Stafford will be traded. I think there's an agreement kind of in place already with the organization and Stafford that they are going to trade him this off season. They should be able to get at least a number one draft pick for him. He's got two years left on his deal which is pretty reasonable in salary relative to other quarterbacks. So it'll be interesting to see where Stafford goes. Again, Indianapolis, New England, possibly San Francisco are, are destinations for Mr. Stafford. Uh, maybe even a place like Miami, if they're not, if Miami's not able to get uh, a guy like Deshaun Watson, something like that. So be very interesting to see what the Lions do with Matthew Stafford. I don't see them trading him in the in the conference. I think they would probably trade him outside of the conference. So therefore, again, Indianapolis, Miami could be Denver could also be a target as well for a landing spot for Matt Stafford. Again, the uh, remember Anthony Lynn, the coach, the former coach of the Chargers, has been hired by Campbell as his OC. So they're going to run, you know, probably a similar offense as they ran with the Chargers. I know Lynn likes to run the ball. He's an old school kind of guy. Um, so be again, be interesting to see how what the Lions do. They'll most likely be drafting a quarterback in this draft, or may, if they were to make a trade with a team like Miami, maybe Tua is part of that trade. If they, if if two if Stafford goes to Miami, Tua will be a part of the trade. So we'll be interested to see what the Lions do at quarterback. Uh, they'll most likely draft somebody, and they might sign a stopgap guy for one year, a guy like Jameis Winston. A guy like Andy Dalton, somebody like that could be a one-year stopgap if they do draft somebody high in the draft. The absolute wild card left of the coaching uh, circle is the Houston Texans job. Obviously, Eric Bieniemy's name has been linked there. You know, Bieniemy, for what some unknown reason to people all over the league, has not been able to land one of these coaching jobs. And 
you know, you hear you hear arguments of well, the Kansas City's still in the playoffs, so we can't hire them. I think that's a bunch of garbage because if they wanted to announce it and they wanted to make their their plans known, they could a team could tell everybody in the league, hey, we're going to hire Bienemy as soon as the Super Bowl's over. Um, but that's not the case. I do think he's probably the leader in the clubhouse in Houston. If they have any shot of trying to keep Deshaun Watson semi happy, satisfied, whatever you want to call it, Bienemy needs to be the coach. I was surprised that maybe Bienemy did not get named the coach following the championship game. I thought there might be an announcement, but it looks like they'll probably wait till after the Super Bowl uh, to make an announcement on who they're going to hire. Leslie Frazier's in the mix in Houston. David Coley from the Ravens is in the mix. Jim Caldwell's in the mix as well. But if Bienemy does not get this job, I think you're going to see a major uproar throughout the league from the players, from the African American players, from some coaches. That what does this guy got to do to get a job? He's been in the Super Bowl back-to-back years. He's been in three straight AFC Championship games. And I know the, the argument is, well, it's Andy Reid's offense. I can promise you the enemy's calling way more plays than you and I think he is. And he's way more involved in the offensive game planning and the team building in Kansas City than we probably all realize. So uh, it will be a major black eye on the league if the enemy doesn't get a job this offseason, especially when you're hiring Guys like Siriano, Brandon Staley, um, and even Dan Campbell, when those guys are getting jobs, but yet the enemy can't get a job, that just makes a lot of lot of heads will, will a lot of eyebrows will be raised, and it'll be a black eye for the league if that if that happens. But I do think the enemy's going to get that job eventually, um, and that's to me that's you still may not be able to keep Watson happy, and you still may have to trade Watson, but I think uh, it would be a good hire for the Houston Texans. If you're going to hire an offensive guy, which I think they need to do, is hire Eric Bieniemy as the head coach. He'd be a good mix in the Houston market. Um, you got a lot of uh, heavy African-American presence in the Houston uh, area. So I think that would be good for the franchise, for the community, and everybody involved. And it would help save a little face for the Houston Texans ownership group and front office for the disasters they've had the last year with Bill O'Brien, with uh, the general manager hire that uh, – Apparently, they did not give Watson any say-so in that decision when it was reported that they were going to involve him. Uh, the Nick Casario hire is the GM, so it'll be very interesting to see what the Texans do, but I think they will hire end up hiring Eric Bieniemy as the new head coach. So there you have it. Your coaching uh, carousel is almost done with one job left, so we'll keep you up to date if, they, if there is a hire next week on the next podcast. But I appreciate you listening. Remember, you're listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Pandora. Subscribe, rate, and review. Have a great Super Bowl dead week. And we'll see you next week for a big Super Bowl edition of the Powers on Sports podcast.